Hey, it's the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'm joined as per usual by Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. They're normally my good friends, but this time around, I just called them Richard and Michael. Something's brewing. Uh-oh. Mm. Nah, I got nothing. Ooh, what do we do? Oh, no, no. Okay. Uh, and Richard and Michael, they like to debate, deliberate the Mount Rushmore of any given topic. This time around, it's Michael's topic. Is the Mount Rushmore of persons playing him or herself in things. Yes. Explain. Uh, this all stemmed from an alternate take on this idea, which was a term that I came up called J-Fabe, which is Jay Leno playing Jay Leno in movies. And he's always playing the same type of character, Jay Leno. It's always the same sort of role, which is Jay Leno standing on stage on TV, usually in the background, yeah. making some sort of... So I guess the kid is the president of the United States. It's, there he's right here in the room with us on our podcast. Thank you, Mr. Leno, for making an appearance. Um, but I just love the idea of Jay Leno. And I thought, well, okay, maybe that's too limiting. Maybe we don't want to talk about Jay Leno for 35 to 42 minutes. Oh, okay, yeah. And I thought, well, what? let's... Speak for yourself, pal. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's expand uh, the idea of someone that plays themselves... In a movie. Yeah. And that's pretty interesting to, one, what sort of role is that going to be? Are you going to be playing yourself as a comedian on TV like Jay Leno does in yeah. uh, various roles? Are you going to be someone that is, um, I don't know, like, like the oper- is it going to be like someone in a band? Mm-hmm. Like, is a live band, yeah. is that considered themselves, you know, I believe in a movie like, uh, geez, Fast Times. Was it Fast Times? Maybe back to school, something like that. Like Oingo Boingo. Yeah, was that's like, back to school. Yeah, Oingo Boingo was the band that was on stage playing an Oingo Boingo song. Yeah. Also, also another great uh, person playing themselves uh, moment in Back to School hmm. when uh, Kurt Vonnegut plays Kurt Vonnegut sure. <laughs> and gets yelled at because he does it. He turns in a report and doesn't know anything about Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't recall that. One. That's great. Yeah. No. He he co- ghost writes a uh, report for uh, Rodney Dangerfield about Kurt Von- mm. Kurt Vonnegut book, and the teacher's like, "You know nothing about Kurt Vonnegut." He so. got his SAG card for Coffee Achievers. And right. he just wanted to do one more job. Well, you have to get two, don't you? <laughs> I guess you yeah, get to get so in the reunion. So I think that this is a much more wide open category because. Like when I was starting to research and look it up, but I was like, oh, there are a lot more movies. And, oh, this is a really interesting take. And, oh, my yeah. God, this can go on for forever of someone that just is playing themselves or playing a caricaturized version of themselves. Yeah. And I love the ego that is potentially involved in that, too. Mm-hmm. I love the idea is like, okay, I I wrote this part for you in the movie. It's like, ah, I'm a good actor. I'd, I'd love to be in the movie. Well, the part is you. No. What? Can yeah. I? And then... Can I be me? Does this movie even go on if this person is not in this movie? And I think that is, we'll see where this goes. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Manfredi. All right. So my first choice, uh, by the way, while I was researching this, I realized that oftentimes when you have a celebrity playing themselves in a movie, they wind up having some of the best lines in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And I think all of the ones that I've chosen, I think they have some great lines. Oh. So... Just I'm just throwing that out there is something I kind of realize as as going through doing my research. This one is certainly no exception. It's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, sure. As uh, Lieutenant Over, <laughs> Lieutenant Over as as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as Lieutenant Over <laughs> in Airplane. Did I get that right? Is that who he was? I think he was. Oh, no, he's Murdoch. Murdoch. Okay. Um, but he's really Kareem. Yeah. Which we find out in the uh, penultimate scene with him, 
where he starts yelling at the little kid yeah. who says, no, you're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. My dad says you don't hustle back on defense. Yeah. Well, you don't even quite know it then, but it's not until he's pulled out of the seat and he's wearing the tiny Laker shorts. <laughs> well, that's the best. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's the last scene <laughs> as he's passed out because he ate the fish and he's got the actual Laker yeah. shorts on. But that's when he goes into the whole... Listen, I've been hearing that since I've been since I was at UCLA. I bust my <laughs> buns out there every night. You tell your old man try dragging Lanier and Walton up and down the court for forty eight minutes. Oh, it's the best. Oh yeah, just and so a a great example. And and Kareem at the time was seen as somebody who was not was not somebody who was going to be in a comedic role. Yeah, he was very much thought of as this very serious kind of standoffish in some ways he's transitioned into like this esoteric oh yeah brainiac yeah yeah author and Mm -hmm. whatever but at the time he kind of had this he was notorious for having this kind of prickly personality so to see him in this like broad wacky comedy and then to see him having the self-awareness to play like this fictionalized meta version of himself yeah must have been just wild when, when Airplane for actually came yeah. out. Bill Walton, you think, is the zany comedy. Oh, I'd love to see Bill Walton yeah. in any comedy. Yeah, yeah. He, he is comedy wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, Kareem, definitely not. Did Kareem do anything before this other than like fight Bruce Lee in the top of... Uh, uh, in Game of Death. Game of Death. Uh, no, I believe that. I, he, might, that... he may have, but I, I, don't, I don't know if there's anything that, big. That is a hell... Well... Because if it was Kareem, anything was big. Uh, it, what a hell of a resume to be like, oh yeah, yeah I was in... A game of death, and then I was playing like the blind, uh, you know, grandmaster at the top of the dojo, and then yeah. it's just like, oh yeah, and then I'm in the comedic uh, <laughs> co- pilot. Three TV roles uh, on IMDb. on Manix. IMDb alert. IMDb. On, sorry, a man on Manix, a guy named Jeff. <laughs> uh, emergency man stuck in car. Oh, nice. That's kind of a tiny car. I cast to be a little a little Pinto Honda. Yeah. yeah, man from Atlantis, Thark. Hmm. Ooh. Mm, so he had done sort of like these sort of bit roles. Yeah. Not that this is a huge role either. Yeah. But, you know, of all of the of all of the quotable things that are happening in Airplane, one of the most quotable movies of all time, this is one that sticks out for oh, me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's a great choice. Uh, Winfield. Well, I would be remiss if I did not mention Jay Leno. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> me. You know, you didn't think about it. So my choice is Jay Leno starring in every movie between 1993 and 2015 (laughs) because he was in all of them. Uh, Dave, 1993, Wayne's World 2, 1993, Major League 2, 94, The Birdcage, Contact, In-N-Out, Mad City, Wag the Dog, Ed TV, Space Cowboys, John Q, Joanna Mann, Calendar Girls, Stuck on You, Mr. 3000, First Daughter, Cars, starring as Jay Limo. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, The Astronaut Farmer, Underdog, The Great Buck Howard, I'm Still Here, Delivery Man, and Ted 2 doing basically the same thing where he would you'd flash to television and you'd need some sort of social commentary of Jay Leno being on The Tonight Show or The Tonight Show Light or whatever of him telling some sort of hacky joke that Jay is so good at. Yeah. And the other night, Emily and I were watching The Birdcage, and he did the exact same thing when he's talking about um, Senator Kevin Keeley, who's the, um, the super serious uh, uh, character played by uh, Gene Hackman. Yeah. And just, he's caught, he's not caught, but his, like, uh, his friend is stuck in some sort of underage sex scandal. Yeah. And it's just like, what do you need? Get Jay Leno. Yeah. We need Jay Leno on yeah. there. And it's funny how he just grounds you into a certain sense of yeah. reality. Yeah. Uh, they, the movies do this every once in a while. Um, 
with like the McLaughlin group where you flash to, mm-hmm. mm, I think they were in like Independence Day or some sort of thing like that where you need some sense of reality of aliens attacking the world yeah. or whatever it is. All you need is to show that there are jokes being made in this reality and they're all being done by Jay Leno. Yeah. That is kind of bizarre because you would think at some point it would be some other show. <laughs> you know, like was there another? Did did okay. well? Pa- it's funny because Harry Reasoner think it should have been his show. <laughs> occasionally, you'll see like, you know, um, in a movie they'll flash to a television production, or it's like the news. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like the real news. It feels like a production of the news. Yeah, but if you see Ed Kramer on there, right? If you see. Uh, like the MSNBC logo. Mm-hmm. If you see Jay Leno making a joke in the movie day, like, what is with President Mitchell lately? I mean, yeah. has this guy been having too many Happy Meals? <laughs> I mean, geez. I mean, I'm reading this off IMDb, oh. but these are the types of jo- Like, that's all you're going to get. And, you know, Jay Leno can retire off of just those oh, yeah. 19 movies that I mentioned. Yeah. Like, just the paychecks that you get for this one-off joke or whatever. Because it requires you to go into the full setup and to mm-hmm. use... The stage and to use his production company, I'm sure, oh, to film God. those particular scenes. Yeah. I would imagine. Like, and he just has this industry that's all built off of. You'd have to think of when was OJ? 93? 94? 94. Like, he s- just got in under the wire before mm-hmm. he kind of took off with the dancing Edos and yeah. all that. And he became just this n- name brand. Wow. How easy is that for him, too? Just sitting there. Just put on the tie, like, five minutes. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> How many times you got to do this? Eh, three times. Could you make it look more like you're reading it off the prompter? No problem. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> All right, man, Freddy. All right, so my second one is a probably the most recent one on this list. It is Keanu Reeves and Always Be My Maybe. Oh. The Netflix movie oh, yeah. with Ali Wong and mm-hmm. uh, Randall Park. And I got a chance to watch this a couple of months ago. And first off, really great movie. Okay. If you have, you guys have not had a chance to see it. I'm, I'm just getting kind of blank looks from you guys. No, so I, don't. I have offered that as the uh, olive branch for the girl-friendly movie to my wife, like uh-huh. on Netflix. Do you want to see this? I don't want to see this, but it looks like okay, maybe I could tolerate this. And as a girl movie, yeah, it's not clearly because you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it's, it's just it. a good movie movie, but yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it, and I'm she I, passes on it every time. Huh? She's racist. That's true. She hates yeah. Asians. We yeah. know this about. Her. Yes. Jen Bascom hates Asians. Yeah, just that, that's, if there's one thing I know about your wife, she hates Asians. I retract that. <laughs> I do too. Okay. Um, so, uh, not to spoil too much of the movie, but at some point, um, Keanu Reeves is basically the breakup or the uh, the the uh, rebound. rebound boyfriend for Ali Wong's character. Yeah. Okay. And he is playing Keanu Reeves. Yeah. And he is playing Keanu Reeves as the ultra hipstery. Ultra thinks he's really like deep and spiritual, but is actually douchey and vapid oh. kind of version. So if you take all of the things, if you took all of the things that people love about Keanu Reeves as the yeah. actual person who has now become this like cult figure for yeah. his Keanu Reevesness, mm-hmm. and you took that and you took it to the like the nth degree, mm-hmm. and also made him kind of a douche about the whole thing. That's what this version of Keanu Reeves would be. Uh-huh. See, that, I think that's great. I love the idea of someone coming in and being like, okay, I want to cast you in this film, but I want to cast you as you. But I want to cast you as the worst version of you. And they must be like, 
I love it. Yeah. All the pretense has to, it, it can be dropped. I can yeah. make fun of myself. You know, if, if you're a good sport, if you are, if you're truly okay with yourself, you are willing to make fun of yourself. Yeah. All the people that put up all the walls around, like, I can only be, I must only have, like you said earlier, the best lines. Right. I can only be seen in the best light. Like, and this, this must be a great moment of him. He's just like, oh, sure, whatever. I'll mm-hmm. beat myself up. And this. apparently the, the real life Keanu Reeves was his main concern when taking the role is he didn't want to make it all about him. Oh, well. Is he wanted to, he knew God. it was a romantic comedy and he knew it was about the two main characters and he didn't want to overshadow them. God bless the little boo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do, there is a series, a Ricky Gervais series that uh, had every episode. <laughs> Were you still doing that? Are we still booing him? Are we? I don't know. I think people don't like him anymore. Okay. Anyway. Well, every episode did. F- I think was, he's a person that takes himself too seriously. Was centered around bringing in a extras. Oh, extras. extras. He brought in a guest star. Every, sure. If, Rick, that, if, if, if this was expanded to TV, and I would grant that Netflix making movies doesn't count as TV. Right. Um, extras was oh, okay. so okay. incredible yeah. at that. Yeah. Patrick Stewart won alone. Oh, yeah. Kate of, Winslet. I've uh-huh. seen everything. Yeah, Dan- Daniel Radcliffe. Oh yeah, I've, yeah. I've seen that's one. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it all. I've seen it all. <laughs> but yeah, so with Keanu, like literally, his the opening scene is they go into this restaurant that's called Maximal, <laughs> and it's one of those ones where we deconstruct food. <laughs> and he sits down, and his first comment is, "Do you have any dishes to play with time, like the concept of time?" <laughs> and that's like that's basically his character in a nutshell. Yeah. And he explains these cool glasses he's got. My eyes are fine. They're for a roll. Look, they don't even have lenses. <laughs> that sort of guy. Where he winds up at the restaurant, you wind up listening to the screams of the animal that you're, oh. that you're eating. And he winds up weeping as he's eating. That's the type of person That's he is. It. This, yeah. is a Mor- this is a Morrissey concert. He basically is a walking Morrissey mm-hmm, concert. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fantastic. Love if, it. if you guys have seen it, you guys know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it yet, highly recommend. Okay. Uh, Winfield? Uh, my next choice is um, my next choice is David Bowie as David Bowie in the 2001 movie Zoolander. Speaking of extras, wow. we could have gone with David Bowie from Extras. This, he had a great cameo yeah, in that too. This is a film that was chock a block full of guest stars of people playing themselves because it was so very celebrity minded. From um, Tyson Beckford to Lance Bass, Fabio, Natalie Portman. Uh, Paris Hilton, Winona Ryder, and of course, Gary Shandling. Oh. <laughs> but Zoolander featured a great moment where uh, Zoolander and Hansel mm-hmm. uh, have to, like, th- they are two male models, and they're trying to prove who is the better male model, and at some point they decide this can only be decided by a walk-off, yeah. which is some the fictitious thing that happens in some ultra-hip uh, downtown warehouse, and who is to be the judge? David Bowie Perfect. and David Bowie comes in and he's just glamorous and is acts as judge for this ridiculous, yeah. uh, you know, uh, walking contest. Yeah. I guess they're, they're just strutting down the, the runway and doing various things, but just David Bowie is just perfect. He's perfect playing himself in a role that just, that is a glamorization of him that he doesn't need to do much and just mm-hmm. look amazing amongst all these other uh, morons. It feels a piece of Chuck Norris in Dodgeball as the uh, judge. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. very much so. I wonder how much of that they just kind of like were like, well, it worked on Zoolander. Let's just take this and run and it do back it again. again. Yeah. Uh, 
but uh, he is just so he's so good at being I think that he has reached a certain level of like um iconism. Is iconism yeah. a word? I don't know. He's just iconic yeah. as who he is and to throw him in. And you know there's such a myth about his persona yeah. that you it's so easy to play off of that. And uh it just it just works so perfectly amongst like him standing out amongst like the vapid celebrities that are at the various high fashion events is just is just perfect. He's in it but he's above it. Yeah. And I just, you know, rest rest in peace David Bowie, but yeah. it was it, that was just such a nice role because usually he when he is in movies, he chooses interesting things to do. Mm-hmm. He doesn't normally, I don't know, take the piss on himself. But like yeah. that's not, not literally. Right, yeah, but like, you know, yeah. he is playing interesting, deep, thoughtful yeah. roles and not, you know, yeah. himself. And, and Bowie in the role of actor is who Bowie was as a musician. He was always crafting a role. Anyhow. He was a chameleon. Yeah, he was a chameleon. He was always performing this new version of whatever Bowie was going to be. It was going to be Ziggy or the Thin White Duke or Aladdin mm-hmm. Sane or something so yeah so in terms of the consummate fashion icon because he always was yeah that's perfect casting we are at our halftime and i'm going to ask you guys to go on to the page of where you get podcasts it might be the itunes apple itunes podcast page it might be i don't know uh spotify it might be stitcher might be a heart radio and go and download past episodes give them a rating if they allow that in whatever thing you're aggregating your podcast through and then go out into social media instagram facebook twitter and figure out what we haven't talked about yet that you would like to hear and suggest that because we would love to have a discussion about the thing that you want to hear and you know what past uh, listeners have suggested topics, and they ended up being on the show with us. You don't gotta, but you coulda if you do it. I think that's it. I think we should get back to the topic, and that topic is the Mount Rushmore of persons playing herself or himself in films, and Richard is up. All right, so my next choice, and we talked about Adam Sandler very briefly in last week's episode, mm-hmm. um, and I have... A love-hate relationship with Adam Sandler. Okay. 90% of his movies I really don't like. But the 10% that hit, they really hit. Punch Drunk? Uh, uh, no. Okay, all right. Happy Gilmore. Okay. And Bob Barker getting yeah. into a fist fight. Oh, that's fun. With uh, Happy Gilmore. Yeah. yeah. Um, a, a prime example of a character, of a, a beloved, you know, celebrity someone who has been in our homes has powered us through all of our sick days when we were kids yeah just you know beloved person who you know only wants us to make sure we're spaying and neutering our pets yeah maybe bob should have been spayed or neutered (laughs) it turns out yeah anyway yeah um and just an example of taking that lovable personality warm and just totally turning it on its head yeah turning him into this ultra-competitive jerk who gets mad because Happy Gilmore is not playing well and screwing up their pro-am, mm-hmm. and the whole thing goes out of, spirals out of control, and they wind up with a fist fight on the golf course. Yeah. 
the two things I love about this is one, Bob Barker apparently did his own stunts. Really? For this, even though he was like, you know, 75 years old at the time because he was like a karate guy. Oh, that's he pretty knew cool. Karate. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is that he o- he would only do the role if it if they uh, could assure that he won the fight. <laughs> that's batshit crazy. <laughs> that's like Jason Statham in The Rock type stuff where they have people on set to count how many times they get punched in yeah. a scene so they, that they can punch the other person yeah. one more time. Mm. But it's Bob B- fucking Barker. That's wild to me. Uh, who were the guys that um, that did Stuck on You? And oh, the Fairley Brothers? The Fairley Brothers. If the Fairley Brothers were making Happy Gilmore, there is no way that Bob Barker wins that fight. Yeah. Like, he's just beaten down. Like, they need to, they need to subvert it to when he comes out as a badass and then subvert it again until it, it's taken too far. Right. I love the idea that Bob Barker would only come in if he won, though. Because that... That goes right into the idea of like the ego and and making yourself something that you are not, mm-hmm. which is this. I mean, maybe he's into karate, but uh, you know, into a, a at least fight. wears high karate. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I just I, I love that idea. I love, of, of course, I was talking about iconic lines from the movie. There's no more iconic line from Happy Gilmore than "The price is wrong, bitch." Yeah. Um, and again, I think it's just one of those things when you see a celebrity play themselves in film, very often they're not, they're, they can either play a hyper realist version of themselves or they can play themselves as completely opposite of their, yeah. of their, whatever their public persona mm-hmm. is. And this is an example of obviously the, the latter. It does seem like an opportunity to break free of the identity that you've been pegged with. So I think that was something that, Extras did a lot. I know that's TV. Right. But let that person oh, break, break out of the Extras again. Oh, God. Sorry. Are you getting paid by extras? Yeah. This, yeah a little bit extra. Extra sugar-free gum. Yeah. Okay. Um, Winfield. Julia Roberts as Julia Roberts. <laughs> oh. In Ocean's 12. That peeved the shit out of me. Did it really? Yeah. Hmm. Because why? Uh, I think because she was pregnant. I think that the Catherine Zeta role... Catherine Zeta role. Catherine Zeta Jones role. That's like a sushi restaurant. I'll have the Catherine Zeta role. You can, we'll go down that Matsuki on uh, Ventura. Yeah. I think the Catherine Zeta Jones role was probably her role or something before she was pregnant. I don't know for sure. Because well, she was in Ocean's Eleven, wasn't she? I thought so. Yeah. Julie Roberts. Yes. Was in Ocean's Eleven. Yes. Yes. She's okay. the main love interest of Danny Ocean. I guess. I'm, I'm guessing by the time that they got to Ocean's Twelve, oh. they probably rewrote the script when they discovered that Julie oh, Roberts couldn't do right, as much. is pregnant. Okay. She was pregnant with twins at the time. And so she comes in to, you know, there's this harebrained scheme about stealing like the first stock certificate ever exchanged because they're trying to pay back all the money that they stole from... Uh, Joe Montaigne in the first film. Yeah, right. And whatever you know, it's a harebrained scheme. It's a harebrained film. And don't scheme think about it too much. Involving like a holographic Fabergé egg and all. You know, it's it's nonsense. Yeah, and it does the thing that movies always do with a sequel is they take it overseas and they take it to Europe. Mm-hmm. First film's always set in New York or L.A. or whatever, and then like, all right, we got the budget for the second film. Let's increase it by thirty million dollars and let's go for a vacation in 
film in Europe. And yeah. Whatever. So this entire plot that they get into with Julie, uh, her characters, her character from the first movie is Tess. And then in the second film, they have to rope Tess back into it because they need her to pose as, uh, as, as uh, Julia Roberts, as Julia Roberts, because she looks close enough to Julia Roberts to steal this egg or get close to whatever. And of course they bring her in, dress her up. She's supposedly pregnant, even though she's actually pregnant. And then she's about to steal this thing. And, of course, Bruce Willis walks in. And Bruce Willis knows Julia Roberts because uh, celebrities all know each other. And then he realizes, oh, this isn't who it is. But I love that they – I love the idea of playing somebody, playing themselves, but they're actually themselves. And I thought it was just a a cute, although, you know, kind of – you know, we're talking about Fabergé eggs, but it's kind of like an Easter egg or like a – a uh-huh. Russian doll sort of thing of uh-huh. who who are you when you're acting? Yeah, having to act as someone acting as you. Yeah, but this version of you. Yeah, the one thing that kind of peeved me is I forget which of the films started with them. Oh, Ocean's Eleven starts with uh, um, our cast is kind of hustling these TV actors who are playing themselves. Oh, and sure, like Topher Grace. And yeah, Topher Grace. That's the one I remember. Yeah. And so I remember thinking, oh, cool. That's how they're going to make us forget the fact that these guys are all these huge actors. By, they're huge film actors. By having them in a world where some TV actors are real TV actors. They're really themselves. But Brad Pitt is just a dude, right? Mm-hmm. So for right. me, that, put, that helped me re- kind of reduce the star power and just get into these guys That's as characters. So by the time it gets to Julia Roberts playing herself, I think, well, fuck, you just, what, really? So does that mean that there's a Brad Pitt in the Brad in, in yeah. the universe? Yeah, yeah. And these people just all happen to look like these people? That's, that's Wait what, a second. That's what not? Yeah. I think that's what a thing is. Like that the, always throws me off whenever a movie does something like yeah. that. Yeah, you're tearing down the wall that I didn't know mm. that you put up in, in 11. That's, that's what peeved me about it. The ocean's dark universe the dark, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so cool, cool pull. Uh, Manfredi, wrap it up your right. choices. So my last one is John Malkovich, in oh, being John Malkovich. Okay. Also my last. Choice. Oh, is it also your oh, last wow. choice? Okay, okay. Perfect. Um, we're talking. You were talking a, a little bit about a with Julia Roberts being kind of a meta. This is as meta as a as a uh, celebrity playing themselves yeah. can get. I have John Malkovich as John Malkovich in being John Malkovich, which is a yeah. hell of a, That's a thing lot. to try to type out and have Apple and note <laughs> second try to correct you constantly. And you're just like, no, just let me try to mangle spelling Malkovich, please. I got this, Apple notes. Um, a fantastic movie. Um, you know, a, a chance for John Malkovich to not only play himself, but play himself as John Cusack inside of his head. Yeah. Or John Cusack's character, at least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he had to not only act as this hyper-realistic version of himself, who's kind of an asshole, yeah, um, but also this weird, puppeteer, artsy, mousy version of himself that John Cusack is playing, who is now inside of him and mm-hmm. controlling him. It is, it, is, it is an actor's dream to be like, I have to climb inside myself. And then at some point he climbs inside himself, right. playing himself as he enters his own body. And then it's, you know. The Malkovich, Malkovich, <laughs> Malkovich. Mm-hmm. And like, that must be just like, there are some actors that you, you must 
imagine it's him and it's uh, Daniel Day Lewis and yeah. that just envelop these roles and you think that oh my god this this the role that was written for him he he must have just been so delighted for and it's one of those that like this couldn't have been made without his okay like I'm mm-hmm. sure he wrote um, uh, Charlie Kaufman he wrote he wrote it thinking well I'm just gonna write this can I talk him into it. Yeah, I don't know. Or, or did he? Did Charlie Kaufman know him, being like, "I'm writing this movie"? I don't know. I wonder if Kaufman had ascended by then to being this uh, kind of pet screenwriter in Hollywood, uh, and so people like John Malkovich might have known him as this quirky guy who was uh, kind of becoming an indie darling. But I could see the. Price of entry for any performer, guy like a guy like Christopher Walken. If you say you got to play, you got to play Christopher Walken. They have to know. Like I always think of like Malkovich. I thought he thought of himself as a chameleon type of performer who could do any kind of role, but clearly he just wants to do John Malkovich shit. <laughs> and then he knows whom John Malkovich is, and knows, oh, I'm that guy who has that. That could, could, didn't he also do some NFL stuff too, where he was playing this overblown. He was doing this like big, big bombastic kind of uh, of you know he, he's kind of like the mook from Chicago who does almost Shakespearean type hmm. of oratory. So, so yeah. I, I I looked this up because I wanted to be accurate with what I said. Yeah, it was written specifically with John Malkovich in mind, but without any sort of relationship between Charlie Kaufman hmm. and John Malkovich. It hmm. was just he thought this is the person it has to be. This is who it's going to be fun to watch. Kind of go through all of these, yeah, the motions of, and it would, it would just be a fun, char- fun person to see have to go through all of this, yeah. And so he just kind of wrote it, hoping that John Malkovich would go along with it. And apparently, John Malkovich's first thought was, "Why are you doing this? Why me? Yeah, <laughs> why wouldn't it be being Tom Cruise? That'll sell yeah. more tickets. Yeah, Tom Cruise is a much bigger draw. Why John Malkovich? Why John Malkovich? Because it's funnier that way. Yeah." Um, and I know I've told this story on the podcast, but I'll reiterate it. There's the one scene where a car drives past as John Malkovich and uh, uh, John Cusack's characters are walking like on a street. And a car drives past and you hear someone go, think, fa- think fast, Malkovich, and like pegs him in the head with like an empty beer can. Yeah. That apparently was not scripted. Apparently there was an extra who got drunk <laughs> and thought it would be funny to do that during the, the shot. And so when you see Malkovich get pissed off about it, uh-huh. he's legitimately pissed off that he got That's pegged in the, the head. That's the real shit. That was, that was not planned. Wow. That really happened. Wow. So there's a little bit more meta for you. That's kind of amazing. So that is the Mount Rushmore of persons in films playing herself or himself or themselves or theyselves. Itselfs. Itselfs. Okay. Could do that too. I don't want. I want to. Don't want to res- not disrespect anybody's pronouns. Okay. So uh, it is myself's opportunity right now to choose, and uh, I think we got to go with Jay Leno. Got to do that. All right. Yes. These guys have this podcast. I guess it's been going around for like two hundred episodes. We should do. Uh, we should head over to Bob's Big Boy and see if he wants to come on. Let's go. He's there right now. I would eat a burger right now. He's driving right down through Tahunga and then stopping. In like like a ridiculous 1914. Yeah. or something that's got. Yeah. Um, Hey, you got any spare green alcohol? I need to put some fuel in my car. (laughs) Uh, 
Okay, and um, let's go with, let's see, wait, what do we do? Oh, what? Did I pick one yet? Yeah, yeah, he chose Jay Leno. Jay Leno, okay. <laughs> and we'll go with John Malkovich. And um, it's kind of, uh, I've been reading a lot about him lately, and I love him, so let's go with Bowie. And uh, let's see. Um, and because of the love, we're going to go for Kareem. All right, sorry, Keanu. 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 It's all Keanu these days. Keanu, Keanu, Keanu. Keanu, Keanu, Keanu. Number nine. Man, that guy. Number nine. Has had such a, within like three years. The Keanuzons. The Keanuzons. Has yeah. come and everyone is like, I'm so on board with this. Oh, movie. yeah. And it hasn't, it's not waning. I can't wait for the new Matrix to come out in a couple of years to bring it all to right shit back down. Or in the, in the, the mouth. Destroy new Bill. Destroy it. Or yeah. Bill and Ted's three. Yeah. I'm not so worried about Bill and Ted's three. It's the Matrix that <laughs> that's really good. But then John Wick four will come in and just fucking back at you, man. Okay, this has been the Mount Rushmore of them themselves, and I, as always, am playing Jeff. I am Richard Manfredi playing Richard Manfredi in the podcast Richard Manfredi. Michael, he never bites.